Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, this is Stuart Roberts, founder of Haircuts for Homeless, and welcome to the Hear Me, See Me podcast. I'm going to be talking to people who are truly inspirational to me, some you may have heard of, and some you haven't, but you really need to hear their story. This is Stuart from Hear Me, See Me podcast, and I'm a very excited old, as I say, young boy, but old man, because today I've, I'm joined by the lovely Vicky McClure. How are you? I'm great, Stuart. Really, really pleased to be on your podcast. It's great oh, thank to you. smiling. It's great to be here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, we'll go straight in, you know, because uh, we'll, we, we can't not talk about your career. Um, where, where did you grow up? And where did you then come into the, the acting world? Um, so I grew up in Nottingham, where I still live. And yeah. I went to a place called the TV Workshop, which is still going strong, which is amazing. Um, and it was the, the big thing about the workshop, and it, it still stands to this day, but it's very different because the world's very different. But it was free. It was a free place to attend. So it didn't matter about your financial circumstances. You fill in the form, you make the audition. If you had what they they liked, then they you got in. And every year you'd have to re-audition as well. So you couldn't rest on your laurels. Right. And um, yeah, I was there from the age of 11 till I was 21. So I had 10 years at the workshop, which was, you know, it's a long old time to be, I say studying, it never felt like we were studying. It just felt like we were just doing, you know, it was very practical. It was all about getting up and giving things a go and feeling like you was in a safe space to do that. Um, And it's, you know, it's the making of me. It really is. It's the making of the kind of actor that I am, the kind of jobs that I choose, the attitude that I take to work. Um, It all stems from the workshop. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Is it is it not free now, or is it is it? It's not free now, but it the the fees. I wouldn't like to give you a sort of complete definite on what they are, but they are reasonable. Okay, right. People, if there are students that can't afford it, there yeah. are bursary schemes in place. Right, um, so they can attend. So yeah. it's still set up to make sure it's it's basically focusing on talent over anything, you know, which is. Yeah. For me, how the world should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And what was your big break? What was the first thing you, 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 you know, got you going? Uh, so my big break was with Shane Meadows. Um, he saw me at the workshop, actually. He was, he's always been a massive um, supporter of the workshop and used it a lot for casting, whether it was 24-7, um, Dead Man's Shoes, This Is England, all that kind of it stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it's just... Do they get any better than that? Yeah. It's an amazing film. He's, I mean, he's he's the best, isn't he, Shane? Um, and he saw me there when I was 15 years old to play Ladine, who was 18 years old in character. So I thought I got no chance, to be honest. Um, but thankfully, I don't know what he saw, but he saw something. And, yeah, that was, that was the first big gig for me. Um, it didn't change the game. It didn't make me... You know, it didn't sort of open doors where there was work flooding in or anything like that. 
But I'll tell you what it did is it gave me a, you know, a door to Shane Meadows and we created a beautiful friendship and then we went on to make lots of things together. So, you know, I always say to actors, like, it's not necessarily going to be that every job that you get is going to be the one. Yeah. It might lead you somewhere that leads to the one, or it might lead you somewhere that you, you've just got to take everything you can from every job. They're all yeah. unique. Um, so, yeah. And it's a life, isn't it? It's a lifestyle. You you, you know, you, you're going to do this the rest of your life. So you, it's about evolving and growing. Well, <laughs> will we? I mean, it's... Well. That's <laughs> I still, to this day, don't take it for granted that it will no. be for life because... It is that kind of business. It always has been. It's a very fragile industry. And, you know, you're hot one minute, you're not the next. And you've got to kind of accept that from the beginning because then your disappointment levels can sort of level out, I guess. Um, I've been extremely lucky. I've been very lucky. I'm happy to work hard. I'm happy to put in the graft um, because I love it. So, you know... It's it's one of those. At the moment, I feel like I'm just, you know, pinch myself every day. Yeah. Oh, the, the, the things you've done are incredible. And it's like, I don't know whether it's the, does the actor attract the roles or, you know, as you say, you, you know, you build up great relationships with, with good writers and directors. But, you know, you've just said so many powerful roles and performances. Yeah, I've I, I've been... You know, it's funny, it's like, because me and my partner Johnny have our own production company now, Build Your Own right. Film, and we, we, you know, we chose to set that up in, in respect of what we experienced, which is that we didn't have, you know, the sort of drama school steady step into the industry. It was very sort of what if and maybe now and it was it was sporadic and we didn't know if it was going to work you know we both went on quite a similar journey there and we're both from working class backgrounds and you know it was it was amazing for me because I'd met people like Shane Meadows who wants to tell those stories wants to speak from a working class background and wants to showcase it in such a beautiful cinematic way and you just go well this is exactly what I want to do um and you know that's not always the case like so you're and you know you want to do a variety of work but the reason we set the company up was to give people opportunities because people gave us opportunities yeah Um, and it's hard to get your foot in the door and you know I think I've learned now by speaking with various writers and, and meeting them at the start of their careers you know you've just got to be honest with each other enjoy the ride because development is is a very tricky business you know when you get into development it doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna see the light of day on screen you know you're developing something for years and then before you know it it's kind of got to the powers that be and they're not into it um and so you've you've got to have thick skin but you've got to enjoy it yeah you know, it's, it's such a creative process. A friend of mine, Lena Heady, she's just oh, done yeah. A, yeah, and she's and I went to the screening the other day of uh, it was a, and people don't realise that the, the uh, work that goes in because it was a short film, and then it, it, it she had to then get the funding to make it a full length, and we saw we we went up to London and saw the sort of roughly nearly finished version, you know, a powerful right. film, really powerful film, 
Yeah, yeah. She, uh, and it, but you, you then, if you if you get to know someone slightly behind the scenes, you realise how much work goes into it. Yeah, no, this uh, it really is, and it and it's from, you know, from the floor runners to the camera department to the production assistants to the drivers, the caterers. To yeah. Every single department you can think of, you need. Yeah, so we're saying, like, what, you know, the amount of work that goes into these things that people don't even realise. Yeah, it's huge. It's, it takes an army. It really does. Every single job, if you go on to, you know, a small set like a short film or a huge budget the Hollywood movie or, you know, great British dramas, whatever it may be, you need every single person that is there to pull out the bag and do their job because, you know, it really does take everybody to make it into what it is. And that's down to the caterers, making sure people are fed well, to yeah. drivers getting you there, to makeup and costume, to the camera department, yeah. floor runners, you know, the truck drivers, everything. It's... Yeah. um. It's, and you know what? I think when I first started going on to sets, especially ones where I, you know, had a fairly decent role in it, I found it really like daunting to speak to everybody because, you know, there's a lot of people to get around, and I didn't know what some of them did, and mm -hmm. I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to sound stupid. What's a gaffer? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what, what's all these weird names for everything? Um, and what I've what I love more than anything now is like, especially on say like, you know, one of the first days on set. I mean, I do still think that we should wear badges for at least the first week because I'm struggling to remember my lines, never mind 70 yeah. new names. But um I love just going around and saying to people, what's your name and what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Let's just cut to the chase. So I know exactly what you do because then one, it's you know, respectful and just courteous, and two. It's good to know what their job is, so yeah. you can ask them how it's been or if you need their help for whatever reason, you know which department to go to. And so little things like that really do make a huge difference to, you know, the way it works and the way it runs and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, the the, the passion for what you do comes through, and I think that that's the sort of thing that you you can't really fake that, you know, like you can you can learn your craft, you can be an act, you know, learn your acting and, and stuff like that, but you can't really fake that passion that you've got. And and you know, you've some at home in these gritty dramas as well. Yeah, I mean I, I honestly I'm really quite a happy person generally. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think I am. Um but yeah for some reason I I just you know, I, I, there's a lot of work to be done in discovering whatever it is in that role. And I, you know, I think I just get into, I think I just get into it. I've got quite a vivid imagination. I think that's probably why I've ended up doing what I, I, I do. But, you, you know, I feel like I can, with certain roles, I feel there's a possibility of me being able to take it where it needs to go. Yeah. Um, and that's why there's been roles in the past where I've turned them down or said, you know, I don't think I want to meet for that because I don't think I can do it justice. You know, there comes a point where you go, well, 
there's certain things that you know your strengths and then there's times when you want to push yourself and challenge yourself and do something different and then there's times when something just doesn't connect or feel right and I think that's fair for anyone in any position of their career to do that because it's fair for the story that's being told yeah so big responsibility yeah I mean you know I I feel like I'm bloody lucky in the sort of audience and just general support that I have from Mm. people that I meet out and about people on my social media um just in general in the industry and stuff I you know I do feel like that takes the pressure off a little bit because we're not saving lives you know Mm. we're not we're paid well we're looked after um you know and we're there to entertain people and what an amazing opportunity to do that on a regular basis you know as much as I can and um so I you know I don't want to sort of go around going oh god the pressure (laughs) I feel the pressure for sure on days here and there but you know ultimately I just feel bloody lucky (laughs) well we actually met through uh our mutual love of a wonderful human being called Louis Byrne. Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. Louis. I'm, I mean, do you know what? I see Louis. Louis comes to me, comes to majority of the events that I go to now, not yeah. just because he's doing my hair. Yeah. Uh, that is a major perk that I've got a best friend that's also the best hairstylist. But yeah. he just comes with joy he comes with positivity he's there to support he's there to back you he's there to help you know he's just one of those guys in in my life where I'm just like thank god I found you you know what a beautiful man what a beautiful human being um just constantly striving to leave a mark on this world you know and leave it better than he found it that's that's Louis yeah he, when I first met him, he came and volunteered with us, um, and he—he, he, I think he was just starting. He's just had that formula, a little bit of an idea about his projects, which is I can, I am, and I will. Um, yeah. And he, he spoke to me about it, and then he, you know, seeing it come to fruition, it's so powerful now, and it's eventually it's going to help so many people, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, yeah, I've been I've been there from when it was born if you like in fact he's got um a tattoo on the side of his neck that says control and that's my handwriting how is it (laughs) Um, and i remember us discussing i can i am and i will and his journey and you know his battles and all that kind of stuff and that sort of you know me writing that down on a piece of paper was the very start of that journey and you know, I just admire anyone that is willing to start something from scratch that is being created for helping others. Mm. So because me and Louis, I mean, we'll both sit down and say, oh, God, have you heard this? Have you heard that? You know, this conspiracy theory or this or that. We're all, you know, we're all seeing and hearing the same madness of, of what is in the world right now. Um, and we have some really, in, like, interesting chats about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, he's in tune with what is going on in the, in the real world. Yeah. And, you know, we really, there's a lot, there's a lot flying around with um, self-help and mental health. 
And it's great. It's great that there is so much out there for so many people to take on because we've all got different tastes. We all yeah. want to take it different doses or we all want to listen to a different type of person. You want to be able to relate, don't you? Yeah. But I also think the way in which Louis does it, it does feel individual. It feels authentic. It feels like it's coming from the right place. Um and I, I just can't see why, you know, there will come a day where that journal of his or just the movement itself will fly because, you know, not only does Louis talk about, um, you know, identity and growth and all that kind of stuff, um, there is a, you know, he's a huge advocate for the LGBTQ plus community where he just wants to make sure that especially youngsters and people that are, you know, struggling with their identity. He's got a real understanding of that because he's been there. Mm. And there's nothing better than getting advice from somebody that's actually been through it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm backing him. I back him all the way. Like, uh, you know, I'm his supporter and I, I know yeah. you are as well. Yeah, yeah. We've got, we, uh, me and him share a lot, you know, we share a lot of the same background, you know, um, with our addictions and things like that and um yeah you know it does he won't mind me saying that well you know perhaps he shouldn't well no he's very open <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit weary when i say that yeah, no, it's like from everyone you know i'm a chronic alcoholic i'm a chronic drug user and i'm you know 17 years proudly sober and you know i forget i just put him on the bandwagon you know but it, it's but it, that's in it when i do help someone because i i they instantly know I'm genuine because yeah. they know I know what I'm talking about. And yeah. you know, sometimes I get a guy in the chair and, you know, and I can, I can smell him, you know, I can smell, smell it on him. And I'm like, I say, you know, I just say, oh, yeah, no, no, I don't drink, mate. And then it just comes out and straight away you've got that instant connection, you know. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's, it, you know, the world needs openness and honesty, doesn't it? It just needs yeah. people to just be able to feel comfortable to say I'm not doing all right yeah I feel like shit I don't like myself at the minute I'm I'm unhappy with my job I'm unhappy with my partner I'm unhappy with me I, mm. you know I'm sick of drinking so much I'm sick of taking this many drugs I'm sick yeah. whatever it may be it's like it's so hard to do that and only really can you do that when you're with someone that you know is going to be you know, understanding, patient and caring. You know, it's like getting those connections with people is is so important. And that's why, you know, I love the work that you do. I From the minute Louis introduced me, it was like, I can see that it's just coming from such an honest place. It's like you're doing something that will give people a huge boost of confidence for one, but... I've always said, you know, hairdressers are therapists. Yeah. You sit in that chair and you might start discussing where you're going on holiday, but by the end of it, you're discussing God knows what, you know. You you have an opportunity where you just sat with very little to do. And if I'm sat with Louis, I can't fidget either. No. <laughs> so, sat <yeah. laughs> yeah, exactly. so you. Do, you get a good relationship with your hairdresser. Yeah. It, you know, I know Louis spoke about this before. It can be a real opportunity for people to 
leave feeling good about themselves because they've had their hair done mm. and feeling good about themselves that they've, they've been able to uh, open up and talk mm. about themselves, which we find hard to do. Yeah. And, and as I've said many times, I've been thanked, you know, thank you for talking to me. And so they've yeah. not spoken to anyone, you know, they've been invisible and they've not spoken to anyone for weeks at a time. And then, you know, you just, you just, just because you pass the time of day, which one human being always needs to do for another, you know, yeah. we take it so much for granted, don't we? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, so you, yeah. sorry. No. no, no, go, go. I mean, no, I shut the blinds, though, because I'm, I'm actually yeah, blind. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see you squ- <laughs> Shut the blinds. <laughs> there we go. There you go. That's better. Yeah. You, was, you were squinting more and more as the time went on. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, tell us about, because I love it, and I've watched the programmes, and, you know, like Louis told me about it when it was in its infancy. Tell us about, you know, the Dementia Choir. Oh, the Dementia Choir. Um, where do I start? So yeah, it started. It started as a TV show, and with the BBC, and we we ended up making three series all in all. Mm. Uh, we made like a small Christmas um, catch up, and then we did a third series, and it was incredible. It was it's been life changing for me. But the the sort of real pinnacle of it is is what we're doing now, and that is because. The show was fantastic and I was, I'm so pleased it connected with people and we was able to get it on BBC One and it was BAFTA nominated and it got, you know, it got an audience and it got the accolades, fantastic. But what is important is actually the people getting the help they need. And so from when we did the show, I just made a pledge to them and myself that I wouldn't let them down and we would keep this going because I didn't want to just make a show and then be like, oh, thanks for, Mm. you know sharing your toughest times with us and showcasing it in front of millions of people on telly and then leave them back to their lives. I just, it just felt so wrong to me to do that. Um, and it's really been since Karen Bonser came on board um, as the charity manager. So Karen's actually, her husband is a part of the choir. He's got dementia. He's in his fifties, Mick. Um, her mum's recently been diagnosed with dementia as well. So if anybody knows what it's like to live amongst dementia, it's Karen. Um, and she she manages the choir with incredible trustees and volunteers and supporters. And it's become just a beast. And I'm so proud and pleased and they are thriving. You know, that's... One thing that happened, I've got to share the, my sort of thoughts on this because it was the, it was a real moment for me. So on Saturday, on Sunday, sorry, at the weekend, we played at Splendour Festival in Nottingham again. Sort of that, yeah. To like 30,000 people. You know. Right. Yeah. I mean, in the, luckily, the choir had the, the sunshine. I, I don't know if that's a sign yeah. that, you know. <laughs> but we did. We had this, we had a bit of sunshine. And... What was amazing is there's a particular choir member called John um, and everyone's got, you know, incredible individual personalities and traits and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, their dementia will change them as people in different ways, in ways that we, you know, you've got to be prepared for the unprepared. Hmm. Anyway, John always dances about in rehearsals. He's just a character full of life. And anyway, 
in my head, I'd not even thought that John might not be able to stand in the line and just stand with the choir. Right. Um, to which he couldn't. He was just like his feet were just moving closer to the end of the stage and he just wanted to soak it all up and he did. And he was just, everyone was loving him. It was like he, he stole the show and it was brilliant. And I'll tell you why. Because all the people he was interacting with and dancing with and doing all these hand movements and pointing to his name on his top <laughs> were young. Yeah. And they have a perception of dementia that is John and the choir, all dressed in disco gear, having yeah. a bop, singing loud and proud. Um, they have a perception that dementia is to, you know, is to live your life, is to find ways to live it well, is to embrace the best parts of life, which is music and dance and friendship and fun. And, you know, as much as we can give them that, the better. And that's why I want to play at festivals. That's why I'm trying to, you know, write in books that are for children that have a dementia angle because we desperately need the next generations to be able to handle dementia in a better way yeah. than what it started out with for us. Because when I first just started to discover dementia through my own family with my nonna, we hadn't got a clue no. what was going on, how to deal with it, how to find the help mm. you know there was such little information out there mm. and there's a long long way to go there's a long way to go in terms of you know cures and medication and yeah sure we're getting you know lots of incredible encouraging drugs that are coming through but they're not getting into people's hands quick enough no. so we've got to find ways to allow people to live well with it yeah and, it just really struck me on Sunday. I was just like, that's brilliant. Kids are going back now knowing that's what dementia looks like. Not, you know, always somebody that's sat in a chair, not communicating. Vaguely looking out a window, yeah. yeah. It's the image, isn't it, that you, that you get. And image is everything, you know, in terms of, like, messaging and language and all that kind of stuff. Julie, one of our choir members who always speaks so fantastically, again, you know, living with young onset dementia, she's in her 50s. Yeah. And she'll always say, we're not suffering with dementia, we're living with dementia. And the amount of articles and, you know, people that I sort of pass by and it always is suffering with dementia. And we've just got to stop getting out of that habit of, like, yeah. making it like that every day is a suffering day for them. Like, Sunday was a great day. No one was yeah. suffering. They were all uh, thriving. <laughs> and it's that, that's so important, isn't it, to get that across. I mean, my, my wife, uh, her cousin had it, and uh, he was he was only his late 40s, you know, and it's everyone thinks it's this elderly person's thing, and he was a high flyer, a very successful high flyer per man um, with, with all the trappings of success and, and pretty much overnight, he, he, you know, he just did completely, you know, and his wife and in the end had to uh, sort of lock him, lock herself in with him, you know, and it was, it was, you couldn't leave him on his own and, and unfortunately didn't last very long. And, and my mother-in-law got it and she got it overnight, you know, Friday afternoon, she was fine. We was actually away. Um, and then Judy got the call that uh, someone had found her mum in the street, you know, like the next morning. And it was, uh, so whether it was a, a mini bleed or something that brought it yeah. on. But, you know, in 24 hours, she just wasn't herself anymore. I never 
came back, you know. There, there's so many variations. There's <laughs> over 120-odd types of dementia. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's the brain. We cannot just lift the hood and no. mess about with it. It's so delicate. It's, yeah. There's so much work to be done. There's so much research that's needed. There's so much funding yeah. that needs and you know from from the top from the government from the nhs there's there's so much more that needs to be done we've got to stop ignoring it because yeah. like you say i've met people that are in their late 30s late 40s you know ages that are just unthinkably young mm. to get that kind of disease but it is very possible and the more we learn, the more we can diagnose earlier, the more we can help people earlier and, you know, prolong it being so rapid and identify whereabouts it's in the brain and what that might affect. And if it is going to affect your behaviour, we can be prepared to deal with that behaviour. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with our choir, there's variations of types of dementia in the choir and we have to, you know, know how to manage it. And I... I think it's you know a good point also to point out that without the carers whether that be a family member or an external carer or a friend without the volunteers without all these people it just people would be left in a chair people yeah. would de degenerate so quickly mm. you know we, we it prolongs life like and you know I don't want to sound like I'm not a doctor no. you know I don't I don't want to give out scientific advice or anything like that but I will share what I've learned and that is that you know with music there's no side effects apart from positive side effects mm. and so there is proof that something as simple as music getting it right and making it you know using it as music therapy does actually make people happy, which can prolong life. Mm. It is as simple as that. If you're left with nothing around you, no people to communicate with, you know, no nothing to react to emotionally, whether that be music or reading or watching telly or art mm. or whatever it may be, of course you're going to go downhill very fast. We all would, you oh. know, without dementia. They're, they're firing up the parts yeah. of the brain that we need. You know, we, I've, 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 I think I said just before we started as well, you know, about the sort of uh, black place, black hole I go into sometimes. And I've been, I've been struggling recently and uh, I've learned, I've learned a lot and I'm not a doctor and I'm, you know, but I've learned a lot recently because I've, I've needed to find out what, what's happening with me. And um, anxiety brings on so much um, physical illness you know because you, you you're in a constant state of anxiety so you constantly do the fight or flight but you it, it instead of like an occasional time when you might nearly get one over or something when you fill your body full of adrenaline and cortisone well you're doing it on, a, on an hourly minute basis and and you're constantly filling your filling your system yeah. with that you know so the, i i found the the thing for me now is meditation mindfulness going down the gym, you know, all of the things I need to do to fire up the happy part. And the more I fire I up, the more it lights up, you know. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of everything that you're doing is kind of physical. Yeah. And it's, it's needing you to actually do something, whether that's picking up a book 
or sitting in a certain position or going to the gym, whatever it may be, you're having to do something. Yeah. You can't rely on, you know, it's, I mean, it, it's such a huge subject, isn't it? Our, our mental health and how we look after it and how we look after everyone else's. It's so individual. Um, but you have to listen to what works for you and not worry about what everyone else is doing. Yeah. I've tried to meditate before. I've not got there yet where I've felt like I've fully immersed myself into it. I don't really go to the I don't, what am I saying? I don't go to the gym. Yeah. I was going to do that. I don't really go to the gym. I don't, you know, I'll, I'll nip into physical activity as and when I feel the need and, and yeah, I'm a busy body. So I don't sit down anyway. You know, no. it's like, that's all right. I shouldn't feel guilty that I don't have a gym membership and I've not nailed no. meditation yet. <laughs> you know that. what I mean? <laughs> I go to a sweaty boxing gym. I'm like, I'm not, I don't go and do the other, all the classes and that. <laughs> no, but it's, it's whatever, it's whatever works for you. It's like, it's, there's a lot of pressure now, isn't there? Like mm. what you should be doing and how many, there's, there's a lot of people selling a lot of things. Yeah. That, you know, I'm like, mm, okay, we certain things shouldn't cost. Do you know what I mean? If it just shouldn't, there should be so much out there that's accessible, mm. so that everyone gets a fair crack at having happy mental health without it costing them too much as well. You know, precisely. It, 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 nothing has to cost. I mean, for you know, I, I have kids and, and uh, people spending 120 pounds a month on a gym membership. You know, like oh. you know. Walk to the gym, don't join, and walk home. Or yeah. <laughs> the park. Like our, our local park, like a lot of local parks, have got these all these machines in there. They put. Yeah, they, I think they're a great idea. These sort of uh, aerobic type machines, and you can go on them, and you don't really see enough people using them. They said no, right. you haven't got to do all that stuff, you know. The local swimming path, go and have a swim, you know. And, uh, you haven't got to, you know. It's nothing stopping you, but it does. Look, I'm not. I mean, I'm. I've got a pair of boobs. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I love a pair of boobs. I'm not, I'm not mental health, Mr. Health Witness, but just by doing the bit that I do, I come home and it makes me feel better and it gets That's me out of it. And it, so the pat, what I'm trying to say, I know it's, we've gone off subject, but it isn't really because it's all about a, a really healthy brain, uh, you know, and it affects your whole of your lifestyle. So, and, and more, nothing more important than in, with the dementia. Nothing more important than anything, you know, and it takes a healthy brain to be able to support somebody with dementia as well as it, you know, the, there's a, a, a saying of grieving twice, basically, when you're living with somebody with dementia or you're losing somebody with dementia. I remember my mum talking about it and how, you know, we kind of lost her before she passed away because she, we lost who she was and she lost the ability to speak and, um, she lost the ability to use her hands and, you know, all these kind of like heartbreaking moments without the, throughout the diagnosis. And then when she passed away, you grieve again. Mm. So, you know, trying to remain a healthy brain and kind of the best advice I can give to anybody is find a community that, you know, is going through similar things because, that is what will help you get through it. You know, that is what helps the choir. And that's why it's not just as vital for 
the choir members, but for all of their family members and their carers and the volunteers and every every single person in that room has a connection to that to it to dementia. And you know, we kind of it's it's just bags of fun. I mean, you know, there's not there's tears, of course, and there's like load days for people, and we're there for everyone when they're going through those. But nine times out of ten, it is just pure joy. Yeah. Um, it's very yeah. similar to what we do because we, we we have so we have heartbreaking heartbreaking stories but sometimes we have the biggest laughs you know like we have a when we go to dublin we, we've got a project in dublin and, and and once the irish get together over there they say <laughs> you know yeah. and the hairdressers are having banter and the and the you know having a crack and the and and, and all, the, all the guests come in and they join in and it, you know it, it's magical it's magical. What you do is magical. And honestly, I mean, the characters, the people, the stories you must hear yeah. of why people have ended up in the situations they have, I can't even begin to imagine, you yeah. know, how much that must play on you and your team. Um, and, you know, those those individuals that are fighting mm. day after day and god i'm sure taking it one day at a time because yeah. and you know we all know it's it's worse than it's ever been oh, you know it's worse. literally yeah. worse than it's ever been yeah and it takes charities like yours which is in the similar vein as to our dementia choir we're not funded publicly mm. you know we are based purely on donations and yeah. we're a small charity yeah um I think the important thing is is as you say, make sure we spread the joy of it. You know, it's because there's so many things that yeah. that that are sad and that, but make sure we get across the joy of it. And that's the most important thing because it makes people wanna want wanna join you and want to support you when they need to see that as well. So where's the future? Where's what's happening for the, the future of the dementia quiet? Where do you want it to get to? Um, well, do you know what? I kind of, it's a, it's a very interesting question because I've got so many plans and so many ambitions for it. Some of them I don't even say out loud because people yeah. might think I've lost my mind. But um, I just want, for now, I just want it to continue, yeah. you know, because we have great support and, you know, financially we're able to look after the choir yeah, now it's um, all about keeping it going and making sure that the messages that we have are getting out there far and wide. And I'd love to see, you know, people setting up their own choirs and mm. um, just making sure that everyone has access to music therapy. That is the ultimate goal. And, you know, in terms of the cure and all those kind of things, I, you know, I want to do my bit in terms of, spreading as much hope and you know um i suppose campaigning for making sure we get that um yeah. as much as as much as i can yeah well I, look i'm on board if ever you need me i'm there you know so uh Gosh, thank you me, so me, much. me and Louis mate, we're double act when we get together we're like laurel and Hardy, so you know we're like, <laughs> get us together <laughs> If ever you need us, um, and, and, you know, come and visit us on one of our projects as well. And, um, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And I'm so grateful for your time. I know you're such a busy, 
busy person. So uh, I really appreciate it. Well, listen, I want to say the same to you. I'm backing you all the way. I think what you do is game-changing for many people's lives. Um, it's an absolute honour to be on your podcast. <laughs> and we'll definitely... I think Haircuts for Homeless and Our Dementia Choir should emerge one day yeah. and we, could, we should do something. It would be great fun. We'll talk about it in part two. Absolutely. <laughs> great stuff. Thank you very much. <laughs> See you soon. Right. See you soon.